You are listening to The Invisible, a podcast where I, Sarah Wingrove, and I, Sean Williams, will be discussing the representation in film, television and visual media of queer women and non-binary people. Join us each episode where we'll be covering a new topic and introducing each other and you, our listeners, to examples from across genres, languages and spectrums of identity. Now, let's get visible. We're back. And listeners are back as well, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully you've stayed with us. Yeah, thank you for continuing to listen to us if you are. Yeah, greatly appreciate that. Yeah, and hello if you're new. Thank you for listening. Um, I'll just say at the top, apologies if you can hear like a weird racket at my end. Every household in my neighbourhood seems to be doing like a home improvement binge. (laughs) So it's like everyone's mowing their lawn, everyone's banging about. Hopefully it'll be fine. Oh, God, don't. Really quickly. I'll tell you this really quickly. (laughs) Go on. Saturday night um, in our flat, me and Abby could hear, like, this banging, like, this hammering. And it was going on and on and on. And it it literally went on from about four o'clock in the afternoon until about nine o'clock at night. And we were like, this is a bit strange. Because, like, literally our um, cups... Uh, in the cabinet they were shaking like an earthquake and we were like this is a bit weird like for a Saturday that's night that's a lot like we've never yeah we've never heard like this has never happened here kind of where we live it's all very soundproof and mm. we were like I, I wonder what we should do like maybe you know it's not bothering us right now because you know we don't want to come across like those um, rude not rude but kind of like moody neighbours that complain about everything we're like it's not bothering yeah. us right now like we don't have kids like we'll give it a few hours and if it's still like happening at like 11 o'clock Maybe we'll knock on the door and just be like, what's going on? Anyway, um, so Abby actually posted in the um, Facebook group where we live, like, does anyone know what that noise is? And people <laughs> were commenting back, like, I know, it's so annoying, like, it's keeping my kids up, blah, 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 blah. Oh, anyway, that sucks. Literally, yeah, but... <laughs> oh, no. Nine o'clock, someone posted in the chat, and they posted a picture of, like, um, the handle of their bathroom door broken off. And all of it on the floor. And they just posted saying, help, I've been stuck in the bathroom since four o'clock. Oh my God! I've been, <laughs> I've been trying to get myself out. Like, just with, like, scissors. I think she had, like, scissors and some... Luckily, she had some kind of tools in the bathroom with her, but she didn't have her phone with her. She lives on her own. Oh my God. And we were like, oh my God, we feel so bad. Like, she's literally our neighbour. We were like, we feel so bad. Like, she could have just been in there forever. And we thought, like, we thought she was just doing, like, fixing a cabinet really late. We were like, why is she doing that? Just trapped in the bathroom. <laughs> she, she was trapped in the bathroom. The thing is, the doors oh. are so thick here that even... Because yeah. I was, like, I was going to knock, but we didn't hear anyone screaming or shouting. We could just hear the banging, do you know what I mean? So we were like, what the hell is that? But oh, I think even no. if we did knock, we wouldn't have heard her shout. That's how thick it is, like, thick the walls are. So we, I was like, that's actually really scary. And I also feel like a terrible person. <laughs> yeah, just that's scary, the, the concept that, like, no one would hear you. Yeah, isn't it? That's why oh. I think bathrooms should always, like have windows on them it really creeps me out when they don't and they oh, just have like no a definitely it's really scary it's like have you have you ever time. been locked in a have you ever been locked in like a public bathroom stall like gotten stuck in one yeah i think i have many a times oh, it's big. sometimes same. i don't lock them because i'm, <laughs> I'm so scared <laughs> i just like taking taking a risk yeah it happened to me a lot when i was in secondary school mm. and i always think like you should definitely either yeah have a window or a gap under the door yeah Definitely. So, because I definitely had to squeeze myself under the bottom of a door. 
several times, like more than once when I was in secondary school. And you'd end up just like looking out and people would be looking down at you staring like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's that proper case of like schadenfreude, isn't it? What's that sorry? Like schadenfreude, it's happiness at the misfortune of others. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you laugh because it's like, oh no, it's just so bad. You can't help but laugh. <laughs> But you have to laugh or you'll cry sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Laugh or you'll cry. Other than that, how is quarantine treating you? Um, It's a strange one, quarantine. Like, at the beginning... I've kind of lost the concept of time and space. And I kind of already lost that concept anyway. (laughs) Beforehand. But it's really kind of amplified that for me. And, um... At the beginning, I was almost, it sounds weird, obviously it was really scary, but I was almost kind of, it was new and kind of exciting and it meant me and Abby got loads of time together and we could like do, you know, we could really work on ourselves and chill out a bit from modern yeah. life and work on creative projects and stuff. But now it's kind of got to the point where I'm just kind of feel like I'm stagnating and I'm kind of yeah. like, I think um, there's like, um, what was I going to say? There's like a nice, I think we could all take from what's going on or what's happened uh, as a way of kind of managing our lives a bit better, like being a bit more flexible, maybe having like giving ourselves more time to kind of like actually enjoy life rather than to work all the time. But I do obviously think having yeah. still having a work life balance is important. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's been it's been OK. Like um, Abby's obviously Abby's high risk, so we've not been going out too much and stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, it is kind of getting to that point now where I, I kind of, um, for my listeners that don't know, I do suffer with OCD, etc. So I get to the point sometimes where I'm just ruminating because I'm not distracting myself, etc. Mm. Um, but yeah, other than, other than that, it's okay. I saw my mum for the first time yesterday since lockdown, so that was lovely. Um, oh, that's cute. Uh, what about you? How How is quarantine? Enough about me. How is quarantine? Yeah, it's okay. It's, yeah, it's okay. As you say, sort of time is a an abstract concept now someone said that we'd been in lockdown for like 10 weeks and it was like what pardon <laughs> what does um, that mean ad- yeah it's like i'm i mean i'll admit i'm currently at the point where i've been befriending all of the gay footballers from my year group at uni oh yeah like all the lesbians that i knew when i was at university through like through football um because I'm missing queer company. Yeah. And I'm also kind of missing sports. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just kind of like, oh, okay, I can talk to them about this and they'll know what, what I mean. <laughs> why queer footballers? Because you were a rugby player, weren't you? I was, yeah. So why why did you, why have you been drawn towards the footballers? Well, well, because we ended up like going on socials together. Like we'd all be out on like sports night. Mm. So we'd end up bumping into each other. And I had a couple of friends who were footballers. Um... And also, I'm just a big homosexual. Oh, I see. <laughs> and I have Get, a type. Getting in with the football team. No, not quite. <laughs> Sadly. Sadly. <laughs> you wish. Yeah, oh well. Um, I've got a few news points up at the top of this episode. Two are positive. Two less positive, but I think they're very important. Mm. So I'll start on a serious note here. Um, so this Wednesday just gone, Wednesday 27th May 2020, Larry Kramer, an LGBT rights activist and playwright amongst a plethora of other things that he did in his life, um, he passed away at the age of 84 from pneumonia. 
So Kramer was one of the original like founding members of the political group ACT UP. So that stands for AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power. The group was formed in 1987 as a response to the inactivity of the US government in the fight against AIDS. Um, he wrote a play which would later be produced as a film of the same name, The Normal Heart, uh, set at the beginning of the AIDS crisis in New York. So um, I wouldn't really... I wouldn't call myself an activist, but I've walked in marches and I've been, I've like personally been criticised and threatened with arrest for peaceful action. Um, and so going against the homonormative grain was something that Kramer did a lot in his life and I respect him a lot for that. Um, so many disagreed and still disagree with Kramer's tactics as an activist, but he took a stance when many couldn't or wouldn't and he's a name not to be forgotten. Leading from this, uh, I think it would frankly be wrong of us not to mention the events of the last week, um, but the protests in response to the murders of George Floyd, Tony McDade in May 2020, and Breonna Taylor back in March at the hands of police officers. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I just think, I don't think we should sort of go on with today's podcast without mentioning that it's yeah i agree i think it's important like to mention it as to bring light to it and to not not ignore it like not pretend it didn't happen you know it's obviously horrifically awful and needs to be addressed yeah um so i've got a quote so comedian frankie mcnair i think she put it really well she said share the words get angry and do something Mm. so i mean we're both white people (laughs) and I don't think like this shouldn't be this isn't about white guilt but actually standing with black communities recognizing privilege and using particularly white people like using our white privilege to aid people and keep people safe like if you go if if you are going to protest I know that there are a couple coming up in the next week in London um the only personally, I think the only reason that white people should be there is if they are standing with black black communities mm. and standing between black protesters and the police because we know this that like the police are less likely to attack white people, mm. unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, so donating is really important as well. I'd really recommend Black Visions, Black Lives Matters and um the bail funds in different u.s states yeah as well um yeah i think that's what i had to say on it (laughs) yeah but i think yeah especially as we're like using this platform um and like today is the first day in pride month and we shouldn't forget um, status about that (laughs) yeah thanks Yeah, um, and especially in Pride Month, we shouldn't be forgetting that a lot of us have more rights Mm. than we did because of protests enacted by black people, particularly black um, trans women in the US. That shouldn't be forgotten, especially when we're thinking about like Pride parades, Pride parties. Pride is a protest, it's not just a party. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, I'll get off my soapbox now. No, <laughs> no, it's really interesting and it's really important to highlight because, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's massive and I think it's, well, obviously, I don't know if you've seen the video of um, 
what of of George Floyd. George yeah. Floyd, yeah, sorry. George I have Floyd. seen photos, I've not watched the video. Yeah, it's not nice, it's horrific. No. Um yeah. but obviously the fact that it's been filmed shows like you know, like it's more of a um obviously it's horrific that it happened, but mm. the world can see it more, perhaps, I don't know from the video um and it obviously needs to be seen just how like obviously this is happening all the time in america and yeah uh, yeah it needs to be highlighted really um because it's actually shocking like if you're in your kind of um like if you are in your you know you're like we're white in like a bubble let's say mm. you wouldn't necessarily know and if, if it wasn't for media and social media that all this all these horrific like crimes were happening you know, so yeah. But yeah, no, it's it, 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 it is really yeah. I mean, it's just awful, isn't it? it just yeah, it's everywhere, obviously, which is amazing that it's being shared everywhere. I think that's really important. Yeah. But yeah, I've got a lot. I've got a lot to say about justice as well. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> being a Libra, of course, that on the scales. Oh yeah. man, you're a Libra. Yeah. I did not know that. I've never asked you what your star signs are. Are you into star signs? Um, I'm into it in a in a fun way. Like I find it funny, <laughs> not like a serious how... way. Yeah, not in a serious. Like I don't believe that it sort of like aligns who you are in life. And I also no. really don't like it when people use it as an excuse. They're like, "Oh, I'm a, oh, I'm a Scorpio," so that excuses my behaviour. I hate that. <laughs> um, it really pisses me off. Um, but. Like, everything that I've seen to do with my star sign aligns with my personality embarrassingly well. I'm going to guess your star sign. Go on. Okay. Mm, Cancer. No. Pisces. Nope. Nearly there. Nearly there. Nearly there. So you're a water sign? No. I'm on the cusp. I'm on the cusp. Oh, you're on the cusp of Pisces? Yep. You Taurus. No, Aries. Aries, okay. Okay, yeah. that's cool. I've I'm got lots of friends that are Aries. Aries and Libras are men that actually get on really well, if we're going to take ah. it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I'm an Aries sun, uh, Sagittarius moon, and Virgo rising. Oh, okay. Yeah. Make of that what you will. I, I, I just know I'm a Libra. I'm pretty... I am, like... And so is Abby, actually. We're both Libras, and we're both... When you oh, read cute. it, it is weird. Like, there is some things I'm like, that's just odd, because that is very much me. Um, yeah. yeah you, you, I think just take it with a pinch of salt. I also think maybe... Oh, yeah, totally. I also think maybe it, it kind of comes down to, like, where you... Sometimes where you're positioned in the year, like at school and stuff like that, could have something yeah. to do with it as well, and just, like, dynamics. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I do I do enjoy it. But, yeah, Libra's main thing is justice and balance. Ooh. <laughs> Aries, everything that I've ever read about Aries is that we're very determined very chaotic <laughs> um but also like staunchly loyal yeah and that is the one thing that i'm like yeah i'm like i'm very much a ride or die kind of person yeah um to the point where it's sometimes especially like with friends like if someone's wronged them i'll be like right who do i need to kill <laughs> <laughs> whose life do i need to ruin which yeah. isn't always the best who isn't always the best approach don't worry i've never murdered someone uh, <laughs> I love that we're literally on like our third episode and we've finally got around to star signs. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I feel like star signs are quite like a lesbian thing as well. I used to oh, when, massively. When I was younger, I used to go on this website, which doesn't seem to exist anymore, which like really upsets me because I remember loving the website, mainly because it said what great things about my star side. It was called Lesstrology. Lesstrology? Yeah, Lesstrology. And I remember the way it described my star sign. I was like, that's me. <laughs> I used to I used to read the diva horoscopes. Oh yeah, because I used to get diva magazine when I was younger. This is how great of a older gay sister I have. She gave me for a birthday present. She gave me a subscription to diva magazine. Oh, I didn't know you had an older gay sister. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I forget that. I mean, we should definitely do like an episode on families and such in film and. Life. Talking about queerness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I have an older lesbian <laughs> sister who has a wife. Yeah. And and my darling twin nephews who they had via IVF. Oh, cute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I do have actually some positive notes for today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so since our last episode on animation, I've learnt of two queer animations, mm. one of which is sapphic and one which um, links to our exclamation about, like, that Disney wouldn't have a gay protagonist anytime soon. Mm. We were wrong. <laughs> Wait, Disney so, does have a gay protagonist? Now. Like, literally, like, in the last two weeks. What? Tell me this. Yeah. So, on? it's a new Pixar short film. It's called Out, which, I'll be honest, I think that's ridiculously on the nose. <laughs> it's like, oh, Disney, out, gay, woo. Um... So it follows Greg, who is moving in with his partner, Manuel. Um, but Greg hasn't come out to his oh, parents I love their yet. Names. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Greg and Manuel. Um, Greg and Manuel. Um, <laughs> so vulture.com describes the plot as a Freaky Friday situation. Okay. Where cool. Greg ends up body swapping with their pet dog. Oh. <laughs> um, so it's being streamed on Disney Plus, which I don't have, unfortunately. So I've not actually been able to see it yet. But to be honest, I'm not that shocked that the first gay narrative from Disney is a coming out story. Mm. Yeah, I guess like, Disney's it's... kind of coming out in a way. It's like a metaphor, like we're finally coming out, so we have to call it out. But yeah, finally. It, was, it didn't quite make it to a feature, though. I noticed you said it was a no. short. Yeah, it's a short. That's better than nothing. It is right, better than Disney. nothing. On that note... Do you want to really briefly talk about Frozen 2? Because I did do my homework. Yes. I was going to say, yay, I'm proud of you. I know. I thought I wasn't going to do my homework. But then I, I was like, right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to dedicate myself to I it. Kept I did. badgering I you about 2. it. Sorry? I kept badgering you about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you think of Frozen 2 compared to Frozen 1? Like, okay, so I found Frozen 2, like, true, <laughs> 2, really trippy. Like... <laughs> I don't know if that's just because of my current state of mind, but I was like, this is really wigging me out. Like, just like the whole, like, she kept like kind of going into like strange places that, do you know what I mean? Like, um, with all yeah. the elements around her and she was just kind of like in darkness, with all these like little diamonds around her and it was kind of trippy. Oh, yeah. Um, but I tell you what I did really like. So at the beginning, I really liked the siren sound that was kind of calling oh. her. Um, That's oh, I can't remember the name of the artist now. Hello, everyone. Sarah from the editing room here. So the voice of the siren in Frozen Two is the Norwegian musician Aurora. Her music's great. Check her out. 
like to be fair I didn't find it that I, I found it camp like it was very camp so it was queer in that sense like massively camp like the whole way uh-huh. they kind of did you know like Christoph's song like in that kind of 80s ballad style I was like to- I was totally oh, no, like I what is going that. on I kind of feel like the directors were just like oh Frozen 2 Frozen 1 was so successful we're just gonna do what we want and have fun yeah <laughs> I saw so I saw Frozen 2 in the cinema oh yeah and when that started there were quite a lot of adults in the screen with us yeah and just everyone responded like everyone just like started like not screaming but just like ah this is so good it's <laughs> so ridiculous <laughs> it was oh Anyway, carry on. Yeah, I mean, so it's very queer in terms of, like, it is kind of queer in Disney and obviously it's camp and kind of theatrical. Mm. And obviously I do still think Elsa's a big lesbian. Um, <laughs> she, um, I found the kind of the idea of the siren call quite sapphic because um, obviously, you know, the idea of just in general, like, the siren calling, where it tended to be, like, mermaids calling the sailors and then they'd kind of... Mm kill them or whatever right but it was like meant to be this yeah. seductive thing and um yes. so i kind of thought that was quite like sexy and like um interesting um i like then, that take <laughs> obviously the siren turns out to be her mum so it's not really <laughs> not really sexy but at the beginning i was kind of like yeah. oh it's kind of like she's lured by this feminine voice okay i'm gonna yeah. just say that's lesbian and then there is the very small scene where she um is flirting with the the kind of the the girl in the group is it a tribal group i can't remember what the group's called um me again so the tribe that sean is referring to are the northolder tribe um who are loosely based on the sami people of northern finland um and the girl that sean is referring to is called honey Marin. um yeah she's kind of flirting with her a little bit it's so brief so brief. Mm. Also, I did think that Elsa and Anna, me and Abby were making jokes that they looked like they were wearing like lesbian boots. We kept saying that, like that. <laughs> but I, boots. Yeah, we just saw their shoes. I was like, that they just look like lesbian boots. I don't know why. I just kind of. <laughs> that's I my love queer that. Reading. But yeah, nice. I did like it. I don't know if mm-hmm. I prefer it. Um, yeah, it was interesting. I prefer the music. I definitely prefer the music. Do you? Yeah. Actually, yeah, I really like the song at the beginning where the mum is singing to them. Um, that was really yeah. nice. Um, and the siren. Yeah. I, like, because I, I run. Yeah. <laughs> I run. When I was, like, training a couple of months ago, that soundtrack was the one that I was like, okay, this is, like, my warm-up. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it was, I don't know why. And, it, like, I knew where I should be on my run, depending on which song I was listening to. Oh, okay. So I, like, paced myself <laughs> with Frozen 2. That's it's so great. clear. I love it. Shut up. Frozen 2. <laughs> oh yeah um cool the other oh so the other queer animation that i found out about the other example that i wanted to mention was um liz to aoi tori or liz and the bluebird so directed by yamada narko it came out like the film came out in 2018 but i only learned about it like in the last week from the most recent issue of the film magazine sight and sound so, because they've been doing a whole thing about Japanese animation, mm. which is very cool. Um, so, in that issue, uh, Serena Skateni described the film as depicting a gentle exploration of the lesbian gaze, cool. which I thought would be right up your street. Yeah, that is up. <laughs> you know, I love lesbian gaze. I'm all about yeah. that. 
So it's about um, it's about two friends in a school orchestra, and one of them is really struggling to express her feelings for the other. Mm. So obviously, it's not a new film, but I thought it was. Like, I was quite excited about it, and thought, oh, I'm going to mention that on the next episode. Yeah, link me that. That can be my homework for the next episode. Yeah. I need to give you homework. <laughs> I'm going to think of homework for you at the end of this episode. <laughs> oh, so linking back to what. Um, what you'd mentioned before. So last episode you asked if I could if I could be a BBC lesbian hosting a TV show, what would it be? Oh yeah, I think I know what you're gonna say actually. I answered <laughs> um a gardening show. Yeah. And since then I've been informed that there is a new yeah. gardening show on Netflix oh, called The Big Flower beat Fight. You to it. Yeah. Was <laughs> it called Flower so, Pot? No, the big f- <laughs> flower pot, love that. Um <laughs> the big flower fight. And okay. I don't know why anyone I don't know why anyone would be fighting with flowers other than maybe against someone with really bad hay fever. Oh my god, me. <laughs> <laughs> when you said fill up fighting with flowers, all that came to my head was like people picking out daisies and throwing them at each other. I was like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like some kind of weird take on Takeshi's castle, but with flowers. Like what's going on? <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Um yeah, frankly, I'm quite offended that I wasn't asked. Yeah, I'm I'm offended honest, for you. Thanks. That show was made for you. <laughs> The big flower fight. What did you say it was called again? Yeah, the big flower fight. That's what it's yeah. called. Oh, we're going to have to no. come up with a new BBC lesbian role for you. Oh, thank we'll, you. We'll think of one. Yeah, no, definitely. I also, um, in conversations with a friend this week, um, she was watching Whiplash with um, absolute daikon Ellen Page in mm. it. Um, and the question oh, that I was asked was, if you were on a roller derby team, what would your roller derby name be? If you were on a, a roller derby, what's roller derby? <gasps> you don't know about I'm roller derby. Like, it's like really the dumb. gayest sport. Like oh. it's basically rugby on wheels. It's, it's rugby, rugby on wheels. wheels. Okay. Yeah. So you're on rollerblades. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you have oh a name. Oh man. You have a stage. Yeah, name. like most. Yeah, like yeah, like most people who play it, they have like a nickname. Like they have a like a sporting nickname. Give me some examples. Um, Oh man, hang on. What was what was off. yours? I never had one because I've only really like I went to one session at my local roller derby thing and I learned how to stop. You learned how to stop on roll right. on rollerblades <laughs> on roller skates. I learned how to stop yeah, and that I'd was about helpless. as much. That's as far as I got. Uh, <laughs> um, roller derby names. I'm just looking up some, like, are they kind of like porn names? <laughs> Of course you'd say that. No, they're, well, I don't know, they're like, normally quite, pun- like, they're punny. Like when you take the first name of your pet and then you have to, like, mix it. <laughs> no. <you> know I mean? <laughs> no. Um, so some that have just come up are, like, Grim Scary Tales, um, Hermione Danger. <laughs> um, I'm just looking up other ones. I can't remember what any of the ones from Lip- Whiplash were. Uh, but it normally is like something to do with um, the sport. Yeah. So like words like jamming, because that's like a move that you can do. Um, so here's some ones that I've just come like that I've just found is like blocking J, uh, long arm li- Lilita, pepper spray, yeah. Ooh, like pepper Lord spray. of the Rink, yeah, spandex. <laughs> Okay. Tequila Sheila. Like, it's often, like, something punny, either going from the person's name or something that people know about them. Mm. But, yeah. Um, your, what was yours? 
I mean, I've never come up with one, but I think that could be our homework for next time is... Because I think we should definitely watch Whiplash at some point, especially if we do a sports episode. Mm. Um, but yeah, coming up with our own roller derby names. Okay. Sounds good. I'll have a little think. Cool. I'll probably end up just coming with a porn name or something. Like. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're awful. I think my porn name was Henry Rectory. That was my porn name. Henry Rectory? Yeah. I feel like it's actually quite fitting. I feel like it suits me. I mean, like, the wrecked bit, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Henry oh Erectory. Oh, Erectory. No, it was Rectory. It was oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. No, I'm going to change Hang it to on, Henry so Erectory. How, how did you come up with that name? Was there, a, like, a... It's like the name of your a first format. pet and then your first street that you lived on or something like that. I don't know. They, they all do different ones. One of them I saw was something like your grandma's middle name. I was like, whoa. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't think my grandma had a middle name. Uh, I mean, if we're going from the first pet and first street that you lived on, mine would be Sam Lodden. Sam, Sam Lobben. Sam Lodden. You yeah. sound quite butch. Sam Lodden. Thanks. On that note, talking about being butch. There we are. That's a really great segue, isn't it? Sarah, aka Sam Lodden. That's your butch mm. persona. That's the thing, like Sarah is one of those names that you can't really shorten. Saz. Yeah, that's, that's the one that I got. A, yeah, yeah <laughs> I got called that at school and I absolutely hated it because I was like, oh no, that sounds... Like, basically, I was like, oh no, that sounds too boyish and I didn't like it. Basically, Sarah is not a butch. <laughs> yeah, no. Saz um, is not butch. Yeah, Saz, Saz is kind is of like butch. a boyish version in it a way, is very, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, like I've known, I've known a few butches also called, like, their full name is Sarah and they've then shortened it to Saz. Yeah, I feel um, like if I was a Sarah, I'd be a Saz. Definitely. Yeah, I really didn't like it until, like, when I went to university, one of my really good friends um, started calling me Saz, and I was like, oh, they want to be my friend. <laughs> so I let them do it. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I'm taking a little bit of a backseat this episode. As as we've discussed, I'm not butch. Um, I've only been mistaken for being butch on a few occasions, which I still, I just find it wild when it due, happens. Due to straight, uh, straight hair? <laughs> Short hair. Short hair. Short hair, yeah. And I don't... I mean, the good thing is I don't have short hair anymore, so hopefully that won't happen. Mm. Um, yeah, apparently I also have my brother's face, <laughs> which was, like, possibly the worst compliment I've ever gotten. <laughs> Just like, oh, you have your brother's face. It's like Thanks. those memes where it's like when girls are told they look like their dad. Have you seen them? They're so funny. No. <laughs> it's like when you're told... you When a girl's told they look like their dad and it's like some big Hulk man, but with, like, really long hair and makeup. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm quite that bad. Though when I was a kid, I always used to think that my brother looked like Lucius Malfoy. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why. I really liked um, Lucius Malfoy. I was like, he's great. When I was younger, I thought he was really oh, cool. Oh, who's he played by? Sorry, he's played by Tom Felton. That no, that's Draco yeah. Malfoy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Lucius, Lucius is um, I don't know his name, but I've seen him in loads of things recently. Jason Isaac. Can't remember any of them. It's Jason Isaacs. That's it, yeah. I love him. Because he also played he also played Captain Hook ah. in the two thousand and three Peter Pan. Um I think that's more where I got thinking that he looked like my brother from actually was as Captain yeah. Hook, weirdly. Is your brother gay? <laughs> no, he's not. Yeah. 
The odd one out in the family, the straight one. Yeah. (laughs) Nah, no, me and my sister are the minorities, actually. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, as I said, I'm going to take a bit of a backseat. I don't think, yeah, I don't think being butch is something that I'm quite as clued up on as you are, Sean. Um, So, like the listeners, I'm going to be listening and learning. Um, Oh, God. We'll discuss... (laughs) We'll, um, I mean, we're going to discuss our favourite butches and mm. some of yours too, dear listeners, um, at the end of this episode. But this section, I guess, I'll be introducing what I know of butch mm. um, in regards to film a little bit in real life and then let you talk about it in a bit more detail. Perfect. Um, cool. Yeah. So, I mean, my experience of butchness has been more through, like, friends and lovers, because <laughs> I'm a type, uh, rather than myself, as I've mentioned. Um, mm. I mean, butch, what I know of butch is it is a concept that relates to masculinity, not just queer women, um, but it's one of those terms that kind of transcends gender a bit, mm. yeah. because like, I know, like, I know gay men who use it. I know, like, lesbian and bisexual women who use it. I know non-binary people who use it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I can gather, it relates to presentation and behaviour relating to masculinity, but not necessarily that of cis men. Yeah. Like especially like cis straight men. It's like a it's like a it's different. Yeah. Um, and from what I can gather, like one of the big um misunderstandings of Butch is that it's not just taking the masculinity sort of expressed by cisgender heterosexual men and then just applying it to these other mm. groups it's like it no it, it changes form and it it does look i mean it has similar traits but it takes on a der- very different form mm. um does that sound right yeah that sounds really cool okay I'm cool i'm enjoying listening to you cool good um i did find i did find so um on a BBC Sounds podcast that she did a couple of weeks ago, Joelle Taylor, who is a British poet, she mm. she is Birch, she identifies as Birch, and she defined it as being, um, defined Butch as being uh, a lesbian whose appearance, behaviour or identity is regarded as masculine. Yeah. Um, interestingly, she described this as an official definition but I'm assuming that she means it's official to her because it definitely seems like one of those queer terms that is in flux and means different things to each person. Yeah. I guess like everything, um, yeah. In, everything's kind of in flux and labels kind of mm. mean different things, I guess. Yeah. It yeah. could be, though. There might be a definition, I guess, because it's such a kind of um, butch and femme like kind of the original terms. What I say Yeah, they're like loosely. archetypes, aren't they? Yeah. They're like so ingrained in lesbian culture, aren't they? Mm. how would you as someone who identifies as butch how would you define it um yeah i mean everything that you said and uh the quote that you just used from the poet joelle um definitely to me is, is kind of how i define it for myself um yeah for me it's obviously there's i feel like there's different types of butch as well like there's you know there's like soft butch or like uh, stone butch there's all these different kind of uh, subsets of butch there's androgynous there's a uh, like you said there's non-binary butch and then there'd be like a an actual like a butch woman like you know because people call themselves different things but yeah i yeah in a nutshell it's about masculinity that's not on a, a cis 
cisgendered male, I guess. Even though I have heard, I have sometimes heard it being used in straight culture, like, but not often. Um, and I think it's mm. definitely been, it's definitely more of a queer term that's used, especially in lesbian culture. And it is also obviously used in, in for gay men as well. Um, but yeah, Butch is so important i think to lesbian culture as it's such a huge signifier of um lesbian culture which i'll go more into like in a minute but yeah for me um i'd say i'd say i'm butch um i feel quite butch i feel quite naturally masculine and always have done um always been a tomboy um had some kind of are we okay for me to just kind of go on about my butch experience for a little bit? I won't. Oh my god, do yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm... I was going to ask the question that I was going to ask was when did you um, become aware of the term butch? Mm, yeah, I don't know really. Like for me, growing so it's been a difficult one this butch thing actually, or masculinity on myself. Um, so for me, I was such a boyish little girl, right? Um, I, my mum always laughs. She's like, I've always known you're a lesbian. Ever since you were three years old, <laughs> you used to say, I'm not a little boy. I'm, a li- I'm not a little girl. I'm a little boy. Apparently she was uh, really laughing once because I wouldn't, you know, those little, um, uh, what they're called, like you'd sit on those little horses that you'd put 20p in and they'd move and make a noise oh, and you'd sit yeah. on them. Apparently I loved this like specific one at this fairground and I wouldn't, I wouldn't get off it. And my mum was going, come on, Sean, be a good girl. Come on get off it now it's time to go and I went I'm not a good girl I'm a good boy (laughs) that was the first time I ever said it and then my mum started thinking oh maybe this means she's gay like like kind of didn't care like kind of that was the thought Mm. that she was she was in her head she said ever since then she kind of knew uh and Mm -hmm. I kind of always growing up I mean like my experience of butch might link to my kind of non-binary um gender in a way because I kind of thought I was a boy for quite a while actually even though I knew I wasn't a boy if that makes sense like I I didn't understand I didn't understand I was going to let's say I don't know let's quote Simone de Beauvoir and be really pompous become a woman (laughs) do you know what I mean like I didn't understand this notion until puberty happened and I remember puberty um, yeah literally ugh puberty I remember like I was almost and this is actually for anyone that's interested in queer theory and and in especially female masculinity, read uh, Jack Halberstam's uh, Female Masculinity because this is actually yes. spoken about in this as well. This idea of it's okay for, in society's eyes, for a young girl to be a tomboy, but it's, as soon as puberty hits, it's expected for you to not be butch anymore and you have yeah. to leave that behind and become a woman now. And I very much felt that pressure. Um, I felt, you know, I could... I mean, like, like I said, butch for me is about my non. I mean, I was going to say non-binaryism, <laughs> made up a word. Uh, <laughs> butch for me is much about this as well. A lot of women who I know that are butch are very much still. Um, own, they very much still own their feminine, you know, their female bodies, their breasts, etc. Even though they they're still butch, but for me, mm-hmm. that's not the case. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So for me, I find it really challenging. I found puberty challenging in regards to I was growing breasts now, etc. And then I kind of got told that butch was bad and it's okay to be a lesbian as long as you're not butch. That was something that was really, I found, kind of shoved down my throat a bit. And then yeah. so I didn't really present as butch because I thought, oh, 
well, it's, it's, I don't want to look like a butch lesbian, like you know, because butch lesbians, even in queer culture, have a stigma. And yeah. um, and it wasn't until I was probably about, I mean, I always acted butch, you know, that that didn't <laughs> go. That was obviously something that was innate. I was felt masculine. That never went. But I did present as feminine for a bit. And then um, I've seen pictures of you presenting more feminine, and it's quite. Scary. I don't know. It's, well, yeah, it's just kind of <laughs> like, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't compute. <laughs> exactly. It was never really me. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm camping. I'm very camp and <laughs> being yeah. described as kind of like a gay man before, like as a joke, like because I'm quite camp and I'm quite like performative, like acting. So I could kind of jokerly be femme, like you know, when Abby puts makeup on me, and I kind of almost see it like I'm in drag. Um, when Abby does mm. me up as like all feminine as a joke, we take pictures and stuff. But so I'm in touch with that side of me. But yeah, naturally, I, I never really felt it. Um, so yeah, it only was when I became a bit, I guess I was a bit older, like 19. I just kind of like did this slow transition into kind of who I am today, um, which is a lot more of a, it, it is a lot more presenting butch person, kind of in line with how I feel inside more. Um, mm. I still have issues with certain aspects of myself um for example I like I'll be I'll be honest I don't know if I told you this actually but like I am looking into and I have been for years getting top surgery and um it's been something I know you've not mentioned that before yeah (laughs) it's been something that I've felt for a very long time um Mm. uncomfortable with and not like true to myself um I've also used exercise as a way to kind of um keep my masculinity intact because I've got like I said butch for me is quite masculinity for me might not be the same as it is for all butch women kind of thing because I mm-hmm. have a a void between my feminine body in a way like not completely because I don't want to transition you know this is the point of being non-binary and in a, in a way as well I mean Abby are talking about it sorry I'm just going on and on but non-binary is kind of in yeah, a fine. way really difficult to navigate because um if you're trans you're almost it's like you know like a wider culture almost is like okay we can get on board with that because you want to be a man you you used to be a woman or whatever you're female bodied now you're going to be male bodied yeah and that's it's kind a, of a it. to b movement yeah whereas non-binary floats in the middle somewhere you, you don't feel like you want to be a man or a woman mm. do you know what i mean it's strange for yeah. me that's my yeah. feeling with it personally it's different for everyone Obviously. Yeah. Un- unfortunately, I think um, certainly in the UK, there's just not really acceptance for any trans people at the moment, is there? <laughs> no. no. No, apart from like in certain aspects of, I mean, there are supporters of the trans community, but there is, a, I mean, it's literally like, I think it's been in like the last two years, there's been this horrible rise in this anti-trans rhetoric. Mm. Yeah, when like trying almost in a way because trans rights are becoming more like known about and people are more yeah. kind of owning it and it's kind of like always yeah. comes with a backlash stuff like this yeah exactly definitely yeah. sorry continue no that that's it really like just that's kind of my masculinity for me um yeah it's an interesting one um yeah i think it's interesting thinking about like um i mean my knowledge again like again not personal but like my knowledge and experience of being around butch people has been um mostly in london (laughs) mostly mostly in bars (laughs) um (laughs) and like so i am a 
quite frequent attendee of the, I mean you've been there as well um, the lesbian night butch please which mm. is run by Tabs Benjamin oh my god Tabs Benjamin is one of the coolest people I've ever met yeah I don't I like, don't know Kaz Benjamin but so Tabs is yeah the person who started butch please okay um, she's uh, one of the butchest lesbians I've ever met uh, love it she's just very cool she's got this very oh she's just so chill She's just so chill and she's got this like it's I'd say it's almost like the opposite of toxic masculinity. It's like mm. gentle masculinity. I love that. And it's lush. Um and she's just a very cool person to be around. I managed to like I ended up bumping into her at the BFI Flare a couple of years ago. So yeah. that's the um for those of you who don't know, um the BFI Flare is the LGBTQ um mm, LGBTIQ plus uh, film festival held at the BFI in London every year. Is that the one that we went out when we went out? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Out as in yes. like, we went to party, we didn't go out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember. Um, yeah, so I ended up bumping into tabs there and ended up sort of gushing at her about how important Butch Please had been for my sort of queer understanding of myself and the community particularly like a queer women's community Mm. um though obviously so butch please is described as being for lesbians and their friends um so obviously it's it's not just for lesbians i wouldn't go if it was that exclusive (laughs) i I would (laughs) (laughs) no i'm joking just because it's just because it'd be limiting and there wouldn't i mean to be honest i don't know that many people who identify solely as lesbian yeah oh okay to be honest yeah yeah Mm -hmm. um but yeah, so that is held, um, obviously not right now because of quarantine, but it is held at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern in Lambeth. Um, it's every couple of months, I think. Mm. I've only ever been uh, once, actually. I've been countless times. <laughs> Count Countless times I've been to Butch Please in the last four years or whatever it's been. Um, though, talking about like me being mistaken for a butch... Um, I don't know whether we'll keep this in or not, but <laughs> so um, one of my favourite instances to have happened in relation to that is so they take club photos yeah. on those nights. So one month I went and a photo was taken of me looking mighty butch, possibly the butchest I've ever looked in my entire life. Like I had my sleeves rolled up. I had my freaking glasses on top of my head because in the photo I was kissing this girl that I ended up very briefly dating. Um, like I had my glasses on top of my head so that I could kiss her closer. Ugh, the aesthetic <laughs> of it. Anyway, this photo was later used by Butch Please to promote the night. <laughs> and they used, like, it was on Instagram and everything, they were using the hashtags like Butch and Femme, and I was very much being cast as the Butch in the photo. Oh, I love that. My, ba- my back's to the camera, the like, I've got my hand behind her neck, like, that kind of thing. Um, but what do you know? A few months later, another photo of me was taken at Butch Please. Um, again, canoodling with a with a different person. Uh, <laughs> but in this one, I was cast as the femme. Interesting. Because I had like very, it was very evident that I had my lipstick on, like lots of eyeliner. Yeah. Um, sort of yeah just a very different aesthetic like it was obviously it's all in Gender terms of just fluid. a photograph it's it's aesthetic yeah yeah exactly you're like floating, floating yeah genders, but femme. yeah exactly <laughs> it's good fun that's the thing i wouldn't say that i am a femme mm. at all 
um, because there are aspects of that. I mean, I've read um, Stone Butch Blues by Leslie Feinberg. Um, so they were a butch activist, an author. Um, I would say, actually, if you want to read Stone Butch Blues, before they passed away, Leslie Feinberg made the book a PDF on their website that you can access for free. Oh, cool. Okay. And it's a really... art, oh, Sean, I think you'd love it. It's this really important... Um, it's a novel, but it draws heavily from Leslie Feinberg's experience of being a butch in the 1950s and 60s. Oh, wicked. Um, being... I don't, I don't know exactly how they identified, but they um, sort of kind of identified with trans identities and with lesbian identities it was very very like they were i think they identified at one point as a he him lesbian Mm. um so and i wouldn't want to say they are this they are that because i don't know i don't know i'm not them um sounds like maybe they almost had kind of like a non-binary kind of like trans masculine identity in a way that maybe didn't they didn't label perhaps yeah sort of very trans masculine um but yeah it's this really really brilliant um, it's it's basically a historical document of their mm. experiences of seeing the particularly the lesbian and the queer women's community change mm. over the decades and the way that gender roles and gender expression changed over that time. Yeah, I think it's really interesting the kind of queer cult, the butch femme culture of the fifties, sixties, and how mm. kind of like this feminism came in and kind of disrupted it. And there's all, I mean, there's so much we could go into with that. But yeah, it's really interesting. It's kind of like made an emergence, reemergent. You know what I mean? It's kind of like butch and femme seems to have come back more as being a yeah. It was almost like unpopular. I never thought it was unpopular personally, but almost... Yeah. And this kind of goes to what I'll talk about in a minute, but do you know what I mean? It kind of seems to have been... Yeah. Coming back. I think it it speaks to that sort of assumption that, oh, if someone's butch, then they're toxic... Like, that they're playing into toxic masculinity. Yeah. And that they're... Like, I hate the whole, like, oh, well, the butch is the man and the femme is the woman. It's like, mm. that's... No, that's not how we work. Like we're outside of the we're outside of the heterosexual paradigm. Yeah. Like we're outside of it. Um yeah, but when I was reading that, they had this really beautiful ode to how a like one of their femme partners they felt butch because of her femme desire for them. Yeah, I totally get that. And that she felt queer because yes, she's femme and she was often read as straight in day-to-day life and actually that was very important that femmes could pass as straight mm. um so that they could get work for one yeah. thing um and that so that they would be safe <laughs> yeah um but there was this really lovely thing where the her fem their femme partner um was saying that she felt queer because of because she could feel this butch this butch's desire for her yeah and i remember reading that i must have been about 19 or 20 and just being like oh i don't fully identify with femme but i do identify with that hard (laughs) like knowing that another queer person like identifies lesbian but whoo gender's a fun thing um knowing that another queer person desires you that can have a really important... Obviously, being desirable is not the most important thing in the world. It's not. But acknowledging that you're being seen mm. as someone 
who is worth desiring within the queer community that is important yeah it is it kind of like validates it yeah it makes you feel validated even if yeah that may not be the most like you shouldn't be validated solely by who finds you desirable but it is also quite nice (laughs) oh definitely i definitely agree i mean (laughs) it's always nice when someone fancies you (laughs) yeah exactly especially if you fancy him back yeah exactly and like (laughs) even if you don't like even if it doesn't get acted upon like knowing that you're desirable it's like oh i am part of this community they see Mm. me as part of this community yeah i can Um, definitely see how that's important as well for like a femme lesbian because as discussed like they're not always read as queer which obviously has been also like a safe thing in the past but maybe not so much now um yeah i think it could be quite frustrating yeah for a lot of femmes That's the pros of having a fiancé. Yeah. Save you if you're stuck in the loo. The only reason to have a fiancé. The only reason I'm marrying her. And because she bakes really nice scones. So. (laughs) She did, um, obviously we'll come to them at the end, like she did send in a, um, because we did a a call for who are our listeners' favourite butchers. Um, And she was just like, oh, Sean. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like, you better, you better say me if you're writing <laughs> your favourite butchers. <laughs> well, I'll discuss who else she um, mentioned as well at the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, did you want to talk about... Because um, I know that you had some points on... Um, like, obviously, we're the in slash visible. Mm. Um, talking about visibility of the butch in film and television yeah. um yeah if you want to go forth I'll okay listen and cool. be enwrapped <laughs> yeah hopefully I don't bore you all too much because I have gone slightly academic with this one because I, oh, I, was, I was trying to kind of I took stuff from my uh, dissertation actually and I was trying to kind of simplify it because even I was reading it like I sound like such an arsehole like bloody hell and I was like I found it really difficult to simplify it because obviously I love just talking about, like, female masculinity and stuff like that. Like, almost every essay I've written at, at King's was, like, yeah. some somehow I, like, linked it into, like, female masculinity. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so... Um, if there's any points that I really don't, that I'm just like, what? Or that, like, it'll be like, oh, that's quite acad- academic. I'll just be like, what? <laughs> Sarah will just cut it out. Layman's terms, <laughs> layman's terms please. <laughs> So I'd be like, I'm just going to cut that, Sean, sorry. Um, you make me sound like I'm really strict. <laughs> that's actually, no, that's a lie. I'm sorry, Sean, you got cut. <laughs> I cut so much of myself, don't worry. No. <laughs> oh, it's, it is hard when you're like cutting yourself. Like, edit, like, obviously, I don't edit the podcast, Sarah does, but um, when I edit films and I'm in my own films because I'm a narcissist, um, I, try, I find it really difficult to cut parts of myself out because I'm like, oh, I look really good there and I want to keep that, but I can't just have it all. <laughs> oh, no, I'm the complete opposite. I find it so easy to cut myself. Yeah. I'm just like, Sarah, you sound like an idiot. Shut up. Oh, no. <laughs> no, so it's hard. fine. I'm so not that mean to myself. Like idiot, ever. Thanks. I think I do. Like, like I said, I definitely sound like I'm on Valium for the first episode. A little bit in the second one too. Hopefully not so much this time, but... Although I do think I have been taking hay fever tablets, so technically I kind of I'd have that same effect, a bit drowsy and a bit slow. But anyway, I think you f- sound fine. Don't worry. Thank you. 
We're all too harsh on ourselves. I'll just I'll just put your pitch up a little bit in the edit. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> Sound like chipmunk. <laughs> Anyway. Watch I'm butch at all. Oh, my oh, masculinity, yeah. my ego cannot stand that. <laughs> Don't turn my pitch up. Um, yeah, so I'll really briefly kind of, well, I say briefly, 10 minutes later. So I'm talking about butch erasure um, and mm. where, are, where are all our butch lesbians in popular TV, um, media, you know, pornography and film. Like, they seem to be hiding. Um and they are often, although they, they do exist, and there is obviously, we have the token butchers, and we will be discussing those at the end of the episode. Um, mm-hmm. in, in comparison to the femme lesbian, butchers are almost invisible um, quite mm-hmm. frequently. Um, okay, so where are all the butch lesbians hiding? The woman, women predominantly represented in lesbian pornography and quite often in TV and film are usually, as we know, cisgendered and often very highly feminised with little scope for androgynous or more masculine women slash non-binary people. Um, butchers are often eliminated from all mainstream depictions. And although there are some token butch characters and the representation of butch characters seems to be slightly improving in recent years, um, in comparison to more feminine lesbians, butch lesbians are much harder to find in mainstream media. Mm. Um, the eradication of androgynous and butch lesbians in the mainstream is strange when compared to real LGBTQ plus and lesbian culture. And as me and Sarah both know, and as many of you guys listening, our sapphic and queer fans listening and everything in between, many lesbians in real life identify as butch, masculine and non-binary. So why is there such a lack of the representation of them? Because mm. there's so many of them, right? Um, so I'm going to bring up <coughs> Jack Halberstam, which I have, st- I have mentioned before in this episode, their book, Female Masculinity, which I recommend anyone should read because it's fascinating. It was my, it's my favourite academic book I've ever written. It's it almost really does... good, isn't it? Yeah. Have you read it? I've read parts of it. I've read more of, um, In a Queer Time and Space oh, yeah. by them because I do my like place, places, yeah. like queer places research. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're. I mean, I almost find, I find them really, really easy to read, like really accessible mm. as well. So yes, don't be put off by the fact that it's academic because it's actually it's, oh it, yeah, it's very accessible. Um, they're very. Their whole thing is about like making academia accessible. Yeah, because ac- writing about like can, low culture. Mm. Academia can be so pompous, like it can, like it can be so oh, convoluted. Yeah. It's like I, I I heard a quote once, which was like, "An academic says a simple thing in a complicated way, and an artist yes. says a complicated thing in a simple way." And I thought, mm, that's bang on. <laughs> it's really interesting. Yeah, no, I like that actually. Um, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, no, it's good. Um, so I quote Jay Halberstam a little bit. So. Jay Halberstam states that the widespread indifference to female masculinity has clearly ideological motivations, and these ideological motivations wed masculinity to maleness and to power and domination. Mm. Therefore, there's very real fear that the butch may disrupt, and by butch, butch woman or butch non-binary person, may disrupt the binary of male power and female oppression simply by a female body just displaying masculinity. Uh, she has unveiled the myth that masculinity is not the sole property of male bodies only. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go on to, so the, obviously, the invisible aspect. So, to, again, to quote Halberstam, Invisibility, in fact, can often do much more damage than visibility. There are different silences and different forms of invis- invisibility in relation to different lesbian bodies. And whereas some lesbians feel shrouded in silence, others feel 
overexposed and hypervisible. Um, mm. So I've kind of, you know, well, I think it's quite obvious this overexposure links to often overexposed more feminine lesbians who are particularly overexposed in pornography, let's say, and uh, yep. fetishization. Um, as Abstam said, the lesbians shrouded in silence and therefore more invisible tend to be the more masculine types. Um, although I'd argue that more feminine or cisgendered lesbians are too shrouded in silence in regard to their spirit, loving relationships and actual genuine desires. They, however, tend to be hyper-visible and reduced to their bodies and thus fetishized if we think about just mainstream kind of um, heterosexual depictions such as porn and uh, films like American Pie. There's loads of films where they, you know, the, the lesbian characters are always not really lesbian and they're kind of made to perform for men. Um, mm. For the male gaze. For the male gaze. Um, where was I? Um, uh, Quoting Halberstam again, my favourite. Masculinity has seemed to play an important and even crucial role in some lesbian self-definition. Um, again, but we don't see them, even though this, as we know from being, you know, myself, a butch lesbian, let's say, and Sarah is queer, we know that this is so important, but it's not shown much. It is shown, but not much in comparison. Yeah. It's getting better. Um, where are we? <clears throat> So butches have often been passed off by both heterosexual and homosexual communities alike as being bad copies of men, always wanting something that is just out of reach. The penis, for example, this is what Halberstam argues. Um, and yeah. that's the reason for this widespread indifference because female masculinity has been framed, even though it's not true, as rejected scraps of dominant masculinity, dominant masculinity mm. being male masculinity in order to preserve masculinity as a natural feature of only male bodies, and male cisgendered straight bodies in particular. Um, <clears throat> therefore, the f female masculinity is actually a, a threat to this system. Um, and this is not to dispel that, you know, masculinity is innate to male bodies, that's fine, and it, but it can also be innate to female bodies. And it's kind of like that threat because it's seen as just, um, you know, obviously, like men should be men and women should be women that kind of keeping that system that tradition the the masculine female she doesn't seem to serve as important in heterosexual terms because she's not really fetishized by a male gaze men aren't really interested yeah. most of the time you know so yeah. it, obviously this is a um, generalization but this is kind of a theory for why why she's invisible um so because of the threat she imposes on male masculinity and the gender binary the butch is often cast into the shadows, silence and invisible. Um, and I think it's interesting to talk about um, how it's important to show diversity among female characters, queer non-binary characters, um, not just for butch representation, but for femme representation and everything in between. Um, so <clears throat> representation of butch women is important for hyper-visible femmes. Uh, as it's not just masculine women or non-binary people that are affected by this imbalance in the representational scales, femme women feel the strain of being overexposed and fetishized. Um, and then I've got a quote from Go Fish. Um, Rose Troke, love it. Yep, love Go Fish. So character, the character, main character Max monologues this quote over shots of herself and other lesbian characters and they all wear white wedding dresses which is interesting and they're all being like kissed oh, yeah. by each other um so this is the quote that she says <clears throat> 
What if one day the feeling of having a dirty secret overwhelms me? What if I crack? Oh, sorry, this book. What if I cracked under the strain of not being out enough? How can I be out to the girl I'm standing next to on the bus stop, the child who smiles at me in the store, the man who asks me to spare a quarter? Um, so this opening part of the monologue kind of correlates to a common worry for more visibly femme lesbians, because obviously in heteronormative culture, femme women are often wrongly synonymous with heterosexuality. Um, mm -hmm. Many femme women are assumed as heterosexual, whereas the butch, stated by Heather Butler, has always been the icon of lesbian visibility, and yeah. just the butch's present can um, kind of authenticate lesbianism, even if it's superficial. So a femme with a butch partner is often coded as a lesbian purely because yeah. of the butch's gender presentation. Um, therefore, the lack of representation of accurate femme and butch lesbians or non-binary people are damaging because of the pressure, as Max said, of not being out enough. Um, which I'm going to quote one more bit of the monologue because it links to this and this is my favourite bit. <clears throat> You've heard it before. <clears throat> I've heard it to you before. <laughs> um, so Max says this. It's the word phase. It's finally coming out, but still being called gay. It's being fucked and sucked by a woman till you feel you could cry, all the while feeling in the back of your mind that no one knows what you really do. We're not waiting for a man. I'm not waiting for a man. I just hate this eerie feeling that a man is waiting for me. Um, Ooh, that it's always so, gives me shivers. <laughs> it's so powerful, isn't it? So yeah. It's kind of like the, the butch lesbian is less likely to encounter this kind of word phase or have straight men mm. waiting for her because she's not always, you know, there is obviously still that element, but it's yeah. all, she's just gay. She's read as gay in most, most yeah. you know, of the culture, whereas these are, these are actual problems for femme lesbians. Um, yeah. This is again, the thing that I find... Oh, sorry. Go on, you go, you go. I was going to say, this is the thing that I find really odd, and I, I agree with you with this, that, yeah, there aren't that many... You don't really get that many representations of butch. Or when you do, they're so stereotyped. Because that's the thing. When you say lesbian, people imagine a butch. Yeah. If you say a lesbian, then they think like the stereotypical butch woman. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and yeah, I mean, I know that people have written about this as well, is the fact that they are, hy are hyper-visible mm. in the imagination of society but then when it actually comes to texts like visual texts literary texts as well mm. they're not there i mean coming from more of a like a literary perspective as well like most lesbian fiction that you get you don't really get that many butchers yeah like they all have long hair they are all kind of that sort of and i don't think i don't necessarily say this is a bad thing but I think it's more that we need a more diversity. Yes. But you will have like a femme one and then a kind of androgynous one, mm. but not too butch. Because <laughs> yeah, it's almost like too butch is a bit scary and threatening or something. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like too. Yeah. It's it's like a. Um, yeah. It's too political almost. It's really. In you said something then really interesting. I can't that was it. Like the word lesbian, like you said, you do often. Mm. I either think, I feel like, and, and wider society either thinks, oh, the word lesbian, they either imagine like a really, you know, like stone butch, like proper butch, mm -hmm. manly lesbian, or lesbian porn. Yeah. I feel like, and yeah. there's no it's the two leeway. The two extremes, and there's no leeway. And obviously the butch lesbian is like, when you think of her, you think queer culture, you think like yeah. queer. You think anger. Is, you think anger, you think, yeah, maybe even toxic masculinity, like you said. Mm. But when you think of the other side of it, that to me is 
it's not even queer because it's been sexually appropriated by heterosexuality, you know? So it's like this weird... And that's the problem because there's not enough diversity. So it's kind of like extremes. And like you said, yeah. the butch will sometimes when when the butch characters are depicted, like not so much now, but um, they are often depicted as like almost being baddies or... Yeah, you, know. you often get the bad, the bad butch. I mean, you think of like Big, like Big Boo from Orange is mm. the New Black. Like she's horrible. She's yeah. horrible. And obviously that, I mean, a lot of that comes from um quite fat phobic coding as yeah. well um like she's seen as sort of like someone that you can't desire mm. um and that it's sort of a like well of course like there almost seems to be like any time that she has a relationship with someone it's a oh well she's manipulated them or they wouldn't actually want to be with her yeah. it's like why not i mean yeah <laughs> she's not a nice person um yeah, yeah it but has then, been like Almost like this big scary butch lesbian that's taking yeah. taking the women away from the men. Yeah, that and even like, I mean, going on with Orange Is the New Black again, like you then get a character like I mean, there are a lot of sapphic and like queer characters in Orange Is the New Black, and she is not the only image of um, butchness or androgyny. Perhaps. Yeah, you then get like characters um like Ruby Rose's character and Samira Wiley's character. Ruby Rose is an interesting one to pick apart. Mm, definitely. But that kind of it's almost like a it's like a butch but soft butch. Yeah, and it's like a safe butch. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Very aste- a very aesthetic butch. Yeah, and it's it's, it's almost quite... like a femme butch, like um a stem is the word, I don't know. Well, like, so I know that stem and stud are words that are uh, are used by um, black lesbians. Yeah, yeah. So she's not a stem then. I did um, know that, but furch, I knew the word stem. I think maybe furch is the right word. She's like... Because if I compare, like, Ruby Rose to, like, someone like Shane in the L word, mm. there's, like, a difference, do you know what I mean? But they both yeah. seem to be very popular. yeah. Like amongst, you know, fuck boy, they're fuck boy lesbians. Yeah, okay, fuck boy. Never lesbians. thought you'd you never thought you'd hear me say that. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. They're definitely fuck boy lesbians. Like that's their, that's their gender. Fuck boy, fuck boy butch. <laughs> but they're different kinds of butch. Do you know what I mean? Even though they're both similar. That's it, really. I I, I briefly wanted to kind of talk about. Um, JJ in Stud Life. Do you like Stud Life? I love Stud Life. I I did very briefly mention um, Stud Life in my dissertation because I was looking at yes. um, I was looking at romantic comedies. Yeah, because it is, isn't it? There's been romantic comedies in Britain specifically. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, do you want to give like a little synopsis of Stud Life? Yeah. Okay. Cool. So. Um... So, Stud Life is directed by Campbell X. Um, Campbell X now goes by They, Them. Uh-huh. And, yeah, it's filmed in London. It's British. Uh, it's filmed in 2012. Uh-huh. JJ's the protagonist in Stud Life. I thought JJ's really interesting um, in regards to her masculinity. Uh-huh. Um, and as, as Sarah said, which I was going to point out, like, the Stud is a black butch lesbian, so the film really kind of focuses on, the, you know, her culture, um... 
and her like masculinity as a stud like she refers to mm. herself as a stud often and is referred to as butch or a stud in the film by other characters um and she really takes ownership of this this label which is really cool mm. um but yeah yeah so it basically is like you know it's very low budget romantic comedy um i do love it like it's not my i, I think if it wasn't so much about being butch I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much but because it's such a honest kind of um it's just such an honest film about being a butch lesbian and in particular being a black butch lesbian is let's say the character wasn't gay mm. and just was like a normal straight person I wouldn't mm. find the style of the film interesting if that makes sense the reason I find mm-hmm. it interesting is because of its contents because uh-huh because it's about being a stud being oh so the so the actual drama the actual narrative itself doesn't interest me that much yeah like the style of the film and stuff a lot of it is about her new partner being a sex worker yeah and about her trying to be okay with the fact that her partner is having sex with men yeah yeah, there is def- yeah, there is that in it. Yeah, that bit's really interesting, actually. That I do quite like that bit. But yeah, what I'm saying is the, just the style, like the genre isn't really my thing because it is like a... It's just like a romantic comedy, etc. Yeah. But Whereas I do that love... that is my thing. <laughs> it's your thing, Sarah's thing. But I just love that it's so... Because there's not many films that focus specifically on being butch, being a butch woman, mm-hmm. and especially a black butch woman, which should be, you know, noticed. Yeah. Like, it is important to the film. Yeah. Um, that that's why I love it because it kind of gives you that insight into her life and it's so raw and real because Campbell X mm. is a stud, the director, right? And yeah. um, I think they reference themselves as a stud as well in interviews and stuff. Yeah, so it's got that like almost as if it's them that's kind of, you know, auto, not autobiographical but kind of, you know what I mean? So it's, that's what yeah. I like about it. But um, yeah, so JJ's basically... The protagonist, we see everything through JJ's eyes. Um, JJ often like breaks the fourth wall, talks to the camera, which is really interesting. Right at the beginning of the film, we're kind of told, I don't want to ruin too much, but JJ basically goes, my best friend's a gay guy. But yeah, so she talks about the fact that he's she can't be best friends with a man, like a straight man, and she can't be best friends with a femme because basically she says she can't control herself. And then she's like, so... Um, can't relate best, I'm best friends <laughs> with a gay guy yeah I just find the way that JJ's masculinity is framed really interesting um, and it's really validated like the fact that female masculinity can be seen as inferior to male masculinity is not a thing in stud life her masculinity is just as valid as her, her best friend Seb's masculinity his gay masculinity let's say and his other friend um, there's someone called Smacker Jack and oh, I love Smackerjack. He's ridiculous. <laughs> he's such a weird character. I love him. Yeah, though. he's so wild. Anyway, I continue. Um, the, but JJ, what I find interesting in the film as well is how there's three hyper-masculine male thugs that prop up in the film a few times. Mm. And they have a problem with JJ. They don't have a problem with Seb. They have a problem with JJ's masculinity. They kind of... They, they actually beat JJ up in the film and um, quite badly. Um, and I find it interesting how it's almost, you know, again, it links to this threat. They feel threatened by JJ because they don't know what JJ is. They even say to JJ, because yeah. I think they think JJ's a gay guy or something. Yeah. 
And then they realise, because JJ speaks, that JJ's a girl. Yeah. And they go, I swear, it is a girl. Like, really aggressively. Oh. And they make the point of saying it. And oh, then, it's like dehumanisation. Yeah, and it's almost like this um, threat that comes with yeah. the fact that her masculinity is just as just as valid as their masculinity. Yeah, but they can't but, they can't compute it. Yeah, they can't get their head around the fact but it comes from a female body. Mm. And it's really interesting and the shots in the film kind of like I said she doesn't look inferior. She she almost passes, you know, and she's um her masculinity so st- stays intact. Although being attacked, all, all these different things surrounded she's constantly surrounded by men in the film. Mm. But she's just got this aura of masculinity about her, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. Um, I remember there's the scene, I mean, certainly scenes with her and her, I can't remember the, her partner's name. Um, Elle. But when she's Elle, that's name it. Elle, and when Elle introduces herself, she makes a point of saying, it means she in French. That's it, yeah. So it's a proper butch femme thing going on. Yeah, like the way that JJ interacts with Elle, I thought was really intriguing. Yeah. Because she does... In some way, she softens. Yeah. And the end sort of... But then her butchness is still completely there. It's not a, a, a sort of a case of like, oh, well, she's got a partner now, so she's not going to be as butch. No, it's still there, but there's mm. this... I don't know, yeah. I love I love their relationship. Yeah, it's interesting. I love the it? representation of their, of their relationship. Yeah, because also there's this whole, obviously, like you said earlier, notion of... Butch and femme are playing into stereotypes and whatever, but even though, you know, they're butch and femme, they clearly are, it doesn't mean that yeah. one is weaker. And I think no. that's the problem because, you know, like often you'd be like, oh, well, they're, you know, butch and femme playing roles, weak, yeah. strong. L calls the shots. Yeah, Elle was in charge, but she's still femme. Power femme. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. No, I, th- I was, oh, I love Elle as a character. I just have a lot of emotion. <laughs> I just think there's a lot of interesting lines like her line. My name's Elle, it means she in French. Like, it's such a, like, you know, it's, it's camp mm. and it's kind of like... It's a line. Yeah, it's a it line. It's a line. It's something that you would... I mean, I don't know whether I've got anything very specific, but, like, there are certain things that you would definitely, like, say to someone in a club. Yeah. To get that, to get their attention. And that is, like, that would definitely get someone's attention. <laughs> yeah, because I think... I feel like if someone said that in a club, you'd be like, well, they're definitely... They're saying that they're... They're making it clear where they stand. Their intention, yeah. And it's like, uh, oh, hello. <laughs> yeah. Who's this? Yeah. Um, another really cool quote, which I think is really interesting, is after it's after JJ's met Elle. Seb, uh, JJ's best friend, as I've said, says to like JJ about going on a date, don't think with your dick, which JJ responds. She goes, dick, dicks, dude. Dykes have dicks. And then says, who wants your one cock fits all? (laughs) (laughs) And I just thought that was so, like, the whole thing, the fact that he's just said, don't think of your dick, he's kind of validating this kind even though you don't need a dick to be a man, but he's kind of almost referring to a brain, you know, like a brain's got a dick, a brain's masculine or whatever, right? And, And she's kind of like... What do you mean, dicks? Like, and she kind of talks a lot about dildos and stuff as well. It's really mm. interesting. I just think it's it's quite like um. I know what you mean about her softening around Elle as well, because she doesn't have. It's not like a toxic masculinity, but it's like no. a kind of. She definitely softens. Yeah. But like you said, it doesn't take away from her masculinity. It doesn't have to. Um, I think this might be the first time that I saw a character using a strap on. Exactly, and it's not shown much, is it? 
Like it, I mean, it is in it is in stud life, but in general, it's not shown much. I think it's important to show it. Going back to film, JJ talk, she's reading a big lesbian book manual at one point, and she's like, "Look, who said there has to be a bloody manual?" Based, I mean, I'm not quoting it directly, but she's saying, "Who yeah. said there needs to be a manual?" Like, you know, everyone comes in different strands. Like, yeah. Some, and she goes, "Some lesbians like to basically wear strap-ons, and some basically want to be fucked by a strap-on, and mm. you know, everyone comes in, and some people don't want to use them at all, and everyone comes yeah. in different shapes and sizes." You know, there doesn't have to be just a one way of doing it. Yeah. Lesbian sex isn't... Lesbian sex isn't scissoring. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Can we just reinforce that point? It, yeah. Lesbian sex is not scissoring. Fuck oh, off. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off to everyone that thinks it is. To any lesbians that managed to succeed with scissoring, <laughs> congratulations. Yeah, you, you deserve <laughs> a gold medal. <laughs> and I want you to write a manual and tell me exactly how you did it. Oh, no, but you're right. Like, obviously, obviously, they're, they're, I'm being insulting now. Like, obviously, some lesbians probably do do it, and there is probably different ways of doing it and whatever. But like, yeah, it's such a stereotype to just be like yeah. lesbian scissor. Like, I'm curious as to where that stereotype came from. Straight men. Mm. <laughs> Pornography. Ugh. Like, yeah. I mean, oh, it's the kind of classic joke I hear as well. Just like being gay myself. Like. Loads of straight men seem to love to make that joke. It seems to be mainly straight men that will make that joke. Yeah. Oh, is that what you do? Scissor? You're going to go and yeah. scissor? Yeah, they do the... Ha- it's always that really crude hand motion. Yes, I was just thinking... That's exactly what I was thinking. It's always the it. really... Cr- yeah, like the two like two first fingers together. Um, <laughs> though my favourite... I mean, I've definitely nearly gotten myself in trouble for doing this before. Like, especially... I mean, talking about protests again... Um, Oh, someone said something kind of homophobic to me and I just turned around and did like obviously the backwards the backwards V to them. Yeah. Then I put my then I put my tongue in the middle. Because <laughs> <laughs> they've been homophobic and it was like, oh okay. Yeah, that's a good that's a good comeback, I think. That's good. Uh, yeah, be careful doing it. <laughs> <laughs> There's loads in stud life that's really cool. Yeah. Like, Also, I think it should be mentioned very briefly. Obviously, I was talking about how I'm butch, like non-binary. I understand mm-hmm. that I'm female-bodied, but I don't totally relate to parts of my femininity and female-bodied. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of thing, like, you know, I'm not quite trans, but, you know, I'm just floating somewhere in between. But character yeah. like JJ, even though she packs, so she, when she goes out, out, she puts, like, dildo in her pants and stuff like that for anyone that didn't know what packing was even though this she still doesn't seem to actually completely deny her like feminine body like we see no. shots where you can kind of see her boobs and it's not an issue it doesn't take anything away from her masculinity. that's the thing people's people's bodies it's it's irrelevant yeah like when people i mean unfortunately i mean we've talked about like how we're very like anti-turf on this podcast yeah putting like scaling it down to just being about people's bodies and what um what they've got in their pants or what they've got on their chest it's kind of gross yeah. <laughs> it's like who who the fuck goes up to someone and is like what's in your pants yeah people do like though, you don't they? you don't do that you don't do that um it's just mm, ugh. Well, because no. people have actually said to me before, because like I'll be honest and own it, like I've I've got you know a strap on, I've got a few different strap ons, and I like to use them. But people have often said to me before, like, 
well, does that mean you want a real penis? No, it doesn't. Oh. I don't want a real no. penis. That, that's totally different. That's kind of scary. <laughs> if I did, yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. It's just no. the assumption that I wanted one. Yeah. Going on from what you were saying about um, the black stud, I think particularly from what we were talking about the top, um, there's been a big movement in the last week to sort of be promoting um, black authors, black narratives um, in fiction and television so that we're actually normalising mm seeing these people (laughs) because they are marginalized and they're not seen and they're not made visible um so i've actually made a quick list of um some other black um studs lesbians etc from film and television um actually stemming from what you've said today the thing that i noticed was actually when you do get black queer women in visual media you're far more likely to get a black masculine like mask or like butch leaning person than you will femmes and i don't i will admit i'm not articulate enough um to talk about this in any great depth i don't want to misinterpret anything yeah um but i do think that, that that there is a point to that as well but i do believe that it is a good point to be having these images of black female masculinity um studs stems as we've said um i know certainly going to sound really young here but particularly on tiktok there have been um there's been some really great work on actually letting young white lesbians know like hey maybe you shouldn't be using the term stud or maybe you shouldn't be using the term stem because there is a really important history to those terms that is heavily linked to the african-american community yeah um but here are some examples that you might find interesting. Um, so, already mentioned her before, but Perse Washington from Orange is the New Black, who's portrayed by Samira Wiley. Um, JJ from Stud Life, as Woo. you've mentioned, directed by Campbell X. So, she's portrayed by Tania Miller. Um, so, the one that I wasn't very sure about, I don't know whether she classes as a stud, um, but so Cheryl in The Watermelon Woman. Um, directed and she's also portrayed by Cheryl Dunier. Um, another one that I think you'd mentioned to me, Sean, was um, Alika in Pariah. Yes. So that's directed by Dee Reese and Alika is portrayed by Adipura Odier. It's good for visibility, like because our, our podcast all about like visibility and uh, yeah. obviously lesbians are invisible, butch lesbians are invisible, and definitely black women, black lesbians are really invisible so it's really important yeah. i think it's good yeah and i think it's definitely we've got this platform we've created this platform for ourselves um and i think it's important for us to use that mm-hmm. particularly as i've said we're both white queer queer people um it's important for us to help <laughs> yeah and not ignore that and not just be promoting white images oh yeah definitely so two others that i've got uh so kena from rafiki which is directed by Wanuri Kahu, um, and Kena is portrayed by Samantha Magatsia. And finally, um, this one I found out about today, so there's a documentary made in 2015 called The Same Difference um, by Enika Onura uh, about lesbian gender roles in the African-American community. Mm-hmm. So particularly if you've been interested by what Sean has been talking about today, I would definitely recommend watching that as well. Cool. And I've cool. just thought of one, and I'm self-promoting go for it lady liberty in lady liberty <laughs> oh yes yes who's she portrayed by i've forgotten her name taya and i can never pronounce her name it's french etonay 
I think it's Taya Etene. I think I've got that right. Shout out to Taya. I, I loved Lady Liberty. Lady Liberty. <laughs> Thank you. It's <laughs> all right. Um, before we go, um, we've got, I thought we could maybe like go over um, the listener responses. Yes. Uh, to, so I did a little poll thing on our Instagram, a couple, I think it was last week. Mm. Um, basically asking you all who your favourite butchers from film and television were. And we got some really, I think, quite interesting um, responses. Yeah. Um, Have you included mine? <laughs> what was yours? I'll, I'll, I'll wait for you to read your list out. I'm trying to think who you mentioned now. Anyway, um, so I'm really sorry. I can't remember the names of everyone who um, mentioned them because Instagram has now deleted it. So I can't oh, no. see who mentioned them. Yeah, because now that they're published, it doesn't say who messaged us. Right. Which is kind of annoying. I yeah. should have noted it before then and I'll remember that for the future. Um, so we've had uh, Yara Greyjoy from Game of Thrones yes. mentioned. Good one. So she's portrayed by Gemma Whelan. Um, oh, yeah. No... Yara, Yara Greyjoy is hot. <laughs> I, I have only watched a couple of series of Game of Thrones, but I clocked she was a lesbian straight away because Abby like made me watch it and I was like, she's a lesbian, right? And Abby was like, yeah, she yeah. is. How did you know? I was like, I just, I can sense it. Yeah, you just know, you, it's the gaydar. Um, yeah. I will admit, I've only really like, one of the main reasons that I watched Game of Thrones was for <laughs> Yara Greyjoy. Um, and Brienne of Tarth. Like, she's not gay. I'm so um, like she's not gay. I know. I have a outside of my bedroom. Day I actually day, yeah. have a piece of um, I have a piece of artwork that is of Brienne of Tarth. Yeah. Um, because I I really like her a lot. Uh, she is cool. I, it's a shame she's not gay because she's defo gay. She's very <laughs> well. This is the thing. I think she's a really great example of a straight butch. True. We um, do need to represent the straight butches out there. Mm, um, Can't just claim them all for our own. No, I know. <laughs> It's a shame that, but yeah, I thought it was quite. I mean, I mentioned it on Instagram, so I very briefly worked with Gemma Whelan about four years ago. Oh, wow. Um, and I was extremely starstruck because I was like fully ready to be like, oh, is she actually gay? Don't know. Because I mean, we do come to this kind of assumption that, like, oh, they played a lesbian, they must be kind of gay, which isn't mm. true. A lot of the people who play queer people are not queer in the slightest. Yeah. Um, I think she's a pretty good ally. Gemma Whelan mm. um, but it was quite fun because when I first met her she was in like full yoga kit <laughs> and she's very much like a, a, a yoga mum she's very cool um, <laughs> but she's also in Gentleman Jack the TV the TV and um, H- is it HBO that they do yeah, with? Yeah I've only actually yeah. ever watched the first episode this is my <gasps> next one to watch after Blasphemy. I've almost finished Killing Eve so then mm-hmm. I'm on Gentleman Jack I think I need to catch up with Killing Eve. Yeah, it's good. I'm on the last. I'm on the last series, but I need to catch up. Um, but yeah, Gemma Whelan is also. Um, she portrays Marion Lister, who was Anne Lister's sister. Yeah, okay. that's a mouthful, isn't it? Anne Lister's sister. <laughs> um, so another one that we've got is Off Glen or Doctor Emily Malik from The Handmaid's Tale, portrayed by Alexis Bledel. Have you seen that? No, I need to see. I do need to see it. Yeah. Another one on my list. I will admit, I personally, like, these are everyone's opinions, and I'm not going to argue. Um, I just can't, because Alexis Bledel is in uh, Gilmore Girls. Mm. I just can't see Alexis Bledel as a butch. <laughs> she's just, in my brain, she's just so femme, I can't see her as butch in whatever to, she plays. I don't know who she is, so I'm going to have to give that a Google. But yeah, just saying Gilmore Girls sounds like, that's quite femme. <laughs> she plays Rory, Rory Gilmore, in 
Gilmore Girls. Is like a kind of is she a femme stereotype kind of? Oh no, she's she's just straight. Right. She's she's very straight. Though there is an episode. I want to say it's in the fourth or fifth series of Gilmore Girls. She does kiss Paris Geller. And I was very okay. excited because I knew that this kiss was coming up. Um, but yeah, she has a she has a very brief lesbian kiss. Didn't know there was any lesbian action in Gilmore Girls. I have to check it out now. Yeah, that's really like straight. it's it's like one instance, and it is. I thought it'll drive you mad. It is literally for like for men watching. Oh, maybe I won't watch it then. Yeah. Take that back. Yeah. <laughs> Big no from me. Yeah. Um, Corky from the film by the Wachowski sisters, Bound. Oh yeah, I haven't seen it, but I really want to see Bound. I know oh, who I you're talking about. Bound. Though. I think you'd enjoy Bound. So she's portrayed by Gina Gershon. Mm. Um, there's been some really interesting um, stuff written about Bound, and the fact that Gina Gershon is like, she's just so pretty. Like she's yeah. very. I mean, in day to day, like in when she's not portraying Corky, she is very femme. She's very yeah. feminine. Um, and there's sort of this, particularly in the film, there's a lot of focus on her lips. And like the Wachowskis have said that they had this really, they have this really nice shot of Corky and her girlfriend, who I can't remember the name of. Um, like they're sort of opposite each other, and there's a lot of focus put on their lips, and they have, mm. they both have very, very pretty lips. Um, but especially when you like think of particularly like in the '90s, we've mentioned like the lesbian chic. Corky yeah. is really butch. Corky is butch, but it's this quite. Femi Butch. I don't know. It's quite akin to what you were saying about Ruby Rose. Yes, I know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Like a Femi kind of but Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got two more. We've got Anne Lister from Gentleman Jack, portrayed by Saran Jones. She's my mum's favourite. Is she? Oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I have a lot of um, gay feelings about Saran Jones playing Anne Lister. <laughs> Uh, I watched um, during this quarantine. I've watched all of um, Scott and Bailey. Yes, that's it. I haven't. I have never actually seen Scott and Bailey yet. That's her massive one, isn't it? Yeah. So she's in Scott and Bailey, and yeah, during this quarantine, I have I've binged the entirety of Scott and Bailey. Yeah. Uh, in the space of about two weeks. <laughs> is it is it queer at all? No, not in the slightest. Not, it's like a, but it's Saran uh, Jones drama, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Um, but it's Saran Jones, and she's. Very pretty. Uh, <laughs> um, and the last one that I've got. So um, my colleague, Helen, who I know listens, um, she's going to absolutely hate me for mentioning this, um, but she really likes May from Feel Good, who's portrayed oh, okay. by May Martin. Yeah. I still need to give that a second chance. You do. It is, it's quite painful to start with, but it does get better. Yeah, I'm going to have to give that a second chance. What were you... What was yours? So I had um, <clears throat> on my list for, for me, uh-huh. Dallas in Below Her Mouth uh-huh. um, is one of my fave butches. She's quite like an androgynous butch. She's, she's kind of more like Shane Butch. So She's what butch? Shane Butch. Oh, fuckboy butch. Yeah, kind of, but like, you know, like kind of. You know, like, you've got Ruby Rose and the one that you mentioned. can't remember. You mentioned someone just a minute ago. But Ruby Rose kind of oh. got that femme aspect to her. But Dallas and Shane are similar to her, but they don't have that femme... You know, they wouldn't put lipstick yeah. on and stuff like that. Yeah. But there's still that kind of androgyny 
And yeah. I think that's quite interesting. So, yeah, yeah. I really like Dallas in Below Her Mouth. Uh, she also frequently wears a strap on. Uh, <laughs> I like Shane, obviously, in the L word. Uh, Shane is kind of like the token butch in the L word. Um, yeah. But yeah. she is an iconic character. Um, oh, yeah. I think... Yeah, because yeah, you, you'll get people get, like, they're, oh, oh, they're such a Shane. Mm. Like, it's, it's just, it's lesbian terminology. Yeah, I've been referred to as a Shane, but... Have you? <laughs> a blonde Shane or ginger Shane. If you... Not okay, anymore, I'm nice. If you were... I was going to say, you're nice. Um, <laughs> not that Shane's not nice, but changed. <laughs> Shane is nice to their friends, they're not nice to the people that they have sex with. <laughs> yeah. I think. Um... But then maybe that's kind of yeah. what you sign up for if you're dating a Shane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you I were, know. I mean, if you know today, what Shane's like. Yeah, today, if you were to compare yourself, or like, if you could be any character from the L word, who would it be? Today, it probably, mm. to be fair, it probably would be Shane still, because there isn't anybody <laughs> else that I'd compare to. Yeah, I haven't seen the new because there's Generation Q now, and I've not seen that. I have seen it. I do. There is a, that's the that was the second butch. Well, the next butch character I was going to mention, Finley, uh-huh. who ah, Abby okay. likes. Abby mentioned Finley's kind of similar, but she's a bit kind of more cute. Okay. So Shane's kind of got that hardness to her, that kind of yeah, that sort of al- I don't want to say aloof, but yeah, a bit more standoffish. Whereas Finley's a bit more wear your heart on your sleeve, but she's still butch. <laughs> like she's defo soft yeah. butch, I'd say that would be my okay. my what I'd see as a soft butch. That would be Finley. Yeah. She's kind of got that Ellen vibe. Your diagnosis. Yeah. <laughs> and I am the butch expert. No, I'm joking. Yeah. But, um... As we've established, you're the butch expert. I'm the <laughs> not butch expert. <laughs> that can be our N, N episode, not butch. No, I'm joking. But, oh, God. Um, and, um, yeah. And then also, actually, Abby mentioned an interesting one. She's not really... but She's an interesting one because she is butch, but she's she's very elusive. Mm-hmm. Rue in a fo- Euphoria. Have you seen Euphoria? No. Oh. I've not heard of that. Zendaya plays Rue. Now, Zendaya's not really butch, but she is very... She's femme, clearly. Like, she's I don't know. A, I can she's got see Zendaya being butch. Yeah. And she this character's quite butch in a way, and you don't really know. She kind of um, has this relationship um, with a trans girl, mm-hmm. and it's not romantic but it is it's kind of like that teenage it's really cool you need to watch it but they Mm. definitely have something and it's definitely queer i just (laughs) thought of another kind of like i wouldn't say that she's butch but like butch leaning character um oh god what's her name uh oh the huntress from dc is that a comic uh, well, so she's a character in the new Birds of Prey film. Okay, I haven't heard of this. What? No. You didn't know what? that there was a new Harley Quinn film? The Joker? No, 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 Harley Quinn. I know. She I had didn't. her I've own only, film. I've seen, I think I've seen Suicide Squad, but that's it. So this is a new film that came out earlier this year. Yeah, so it's... it's it's the, um, oh gosh, what's the full title? The full title is Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Okay. So it's about what happens It's what about what about happens to Harley Quinn when she breaks up with the Joker. Yeah. 
Um, but she meets the other birds of prey from the DC comic universe, and one of them is the Huntress or Helena Bertinelli. And oh boy, when that girl takes her motorbike helmet off, I was gay. <laughs> <laughs> We've come to a fairly natural end here. Yeah. Um, Although we didn't mention the best butch character ever. Oh, who? She's called Sean in Lady Liberty. <laughs> oh, shut up. Actually, she doesn't have a Is name. It actually... I was going to say, does the character have a name? No, the character doesn't have a name. I quite like when characters don't have names. Yeah. Is it yeah, just nameless. gives them that, it's that sort of elusive mystery. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I like about kind of film my own filmmaking is making it quite elusive so that I feel like when it's kind of elusive and it doesn't necessarily have a time and a space and mm. it's kind of applicable and you can relate to it and people relate to it in different ways like it's not yeah. people can make what they want from it and have their own readings and feelings to do with it more do you know what I mean than being directed yeah, into into thinking and viewing something a certain way so I think that's quite it's more about the human experience in general if that makes sense. Like, rather than, yeah, it's like a, can't think what I'm trying to say, like a... It's truly queer. Yeah, exactly. It's truly queer because you can, yeah, you can do with it what you will. Exactly. And that's what I like. Yeah. I like them too. So just to round off, our next episode will be C for Comedy. So join us in a couple of weeks when our next episode will be up. And thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you very much for listening, um, especially if you got to the end. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's been it's been a uh, it's been a good episode. I've enjoyed talking to you, Sarah. Thank you. You too. Yeah. Oh. Hello, all. Sarah here. Just before we sign off, so in the last twenty four hours, the author of the Harry Potter books, J.K. Rowling, has been in the news for spreading anti-trans rhetoric, um, quite hateful comments. And I just wanted to say that from both Sean and I, we stand with our trans siblings, binary, non-binary and beyond. And I can imagine some people are hurting a lot right now because someone that they respect is acting in a really hurtful way, in a very public way. Please know that we stand with you, we're there, and we hope that you stay safe. Thank you for listening. You can find The Invisible on Spotify and other popular streaming platforms. You can follow us on our social media on Instagram and Twitter at The Invisible Pod. The Invisible, created and hosted by Sarah Wingrove and Sean Williams. Music and effects created and performed by Joe James. Artwork designed by Toby Allen. <laughs>